The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank believes communities thrive when individuals succeed. Working together, we can help create economic opportunity for all. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Friday, May 17th. In today's news, President Trump is micromanaging the design of the border wall, and his new immigration plan is dead on arrival. Walmart is raising prices for consumers because of the Trump tariffs. And a federal judge orders that a voicemail Trump's lawyer left for Michael Flynn's lawyer must be released. But first, the big idea. The Senate yesterday voted to confirm Wendy Vitter, the wife of a senator turned lobbyist, to a lifetime appointment as a federal judge despite her outspoken hostility to abortion rights as a longtime pro-life activist. Susan Collins from Maine was the only Republican to join Democrats and independents in opposing Vitter's nomination. She was confirmed on a 52 to 45 vote. Vitter is best known for standing by her husband David in 2007 when he was named in connection with a DC prostitution ring. During her confirmation hearing, Vitter was pressed for her claims that Planned Parenthood kills over 150,000 women every year, which isn't true, and for comments she made while moderating an event called, quote, Abortion Hurts Women's Health. A civil rights group then uncovered a trove of documents and statements that she had made against abortion, but did not disclose in the extensive background disclosure forms she was required to provide for the Senate before her confirmation hearing. The most memorable part of Vitter's contentious confirmation fight came when she refused to say whether she believes Brown versus Board of Education, the unanimous 1954 ruling that desegregated schools, was correctly decided. The decision was announced 65 years ago today. It is widely seen as one of the Supreme Court's greatest moments, with the court's unanimity sending a powerful message to a segregated nation and changing the course of our country for the better. But Vitter, who's from Louisiana, is one of 27 Trump nominees who have refused to say whether they believe that the justices made the right call. This is striking at a time when many schools, especially in the Deep South, remain deeply segregated by race. The standoff has come to resemble a serious game of chicken. If the nominees say Brown was correctly decided, Are they obliged to opine on more controversial precedents, in particular Roe v. Wade, which established a woman's right to an abortion? That's the reason many say they won't answer. They don't want to say that Brown was correct, but then that Roe was wrong. And President Trump said when he ran for president in 2016 that he would only appoint judges who oppose abortion rights. But four of Trump's nominees, including Brett Kavanaugh, did say during their confirmation hearings that Brown was correctly decided. Indeed, Kavanaugh called the Supreme Court's decision in Brown its finest hour, and he touted the 9-0 nature of the case. Some of the Trump nominees complain that Democratic senators are not content with their statements calling segregation immoral. They think that should be enough. The other side says the refusal to engage undermines the national consensus around equal protection under the law that underlines Brown. The NAACP opposed Vitter and all the other 26 Trump nominees who refuse to affirm Brown.
And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Trump's plan to reshape how immigrants are admitted into the country drew a cool reception from both sides of the aisle and appears to be headed to the congressional desk bin. But the White House and its allies on Capitol Hill have emphasized that the plan, few details of which have still been publicly released, is primarily to showcase the kind of immigrants that Trump and Republicans want to welcome ahead of next year's elections. The president has been getting more hands-on when it comes to deliberations over immigration and how the border wall itself should look. The barrier that Trump wants to build along the Mexico border will be a steel bollard fence, not a concrete wall as he has long promised, and the president's fine with that. He has a few other things he would like to change too, though. Trump has recently told White House aides, Homeland Security officials, and military engineers that the bollards, or slats as he prefers to call them, should be painted flat black. That's a dark hue that would absorb heat in the summer, making the metal too hot for climbers to scale. This was Trump's idea. Remember, he's a former developer. Trump also has repeatedly summoned the head of the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, Lieutenant General Todd Semonite, to impart his views on the barrier's properties, demanding that the structure be physically imposing, but also aesthetically pleasing. He wants it to look pretty. Trump's emergency declaration to build this wall by diverting $5.7 billion of funding that was appropriated to help the U.S. military will face its first test in court later today. District Judge Haywood Gilliam in Oakland, California, will hear oral arguments on motions by a group of separate plaintiffs to temporarily block wall construction on the grounds that Trump's financing methods are both unconstitutional and illegal. In other dubious uses of executive power, Florida officials revealed overnight that Trump is planning on sending hundreds of undocumented immigrants each month into Florida's Democratic strongholds, Broward and Palm Beach County. This is part of the president's plan to punish his political opponents. Number two, Walmart announced yesterday that it will raise prices for customers because of the Trump tariffs on Chinese goods. The retailer called out the impact of tariffs on consumers a day after Macy's delivered a similar warning to shareholders. The department store chain CEO said tariffs on Chinese imports are hitting its furniture business especially hard and warned that the additional levies will leave its clothing and accessory categories deeply vulnerable. Meanwhile, a program meant to help the farmers feeling the pain of Trump's trade war has instead been helping foreigners and big agribusiness. More than $62 million of U.S. taxpayer money has been doled out now to a Brazilian company run by two brothers who have been implicated in a massive corruption scandal. The Department of Agriculture cut a contract in January to purchase $22.3 million worth of pork from plants operated by JBS USA. It's a Colorado-based subsidiary of a Brazilian company which ranks as the largest single meat packer in the world. The bailout raised eyebrows from industry insiders at the time as it was sourced from a $12 billion program that was supposed to go to American farmers. But previously undisclosed purchase reports that were obtained by the New York Daily News reveal that the administration has since issued at least two more bailouts to JBS, even as Trump's own Justice Department began investigating the meatpacker, whose owners have confessed to bribing hundreds of top government officials in Brazil. Number three. A federal judge last night ordered that prosecutors must make public a transcript of a phone call that former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn tried hard to hide with a lie. 
his conversation with the Russian ambassador in late 2016. U.S. District Judge Emmett Sullivan in Washington also ordered the government to provide a public transcript of a November 2017 voicemail involving Flynn. In that sensitive call, Trump's personal attorney left a message for Flynn's attorney reminding him of the president's fondness for Flynn hours after it was reported publicly that Flynn was considering cooperating with federal investigators. The transcripts, which the judge ordered to be posted on a court website by May 31st, would reveal conversations at the center of two major avenues of special counsel Bob Mueller's investigation into Russian interference in the 2016 election. So far, they've been disclosed to the public only in fragments, in court filings, and in the redacted Mueller report. Sullivan's order also says that the redacted portions of the Mueller report relating to Flynn must be provided to the court and then made public. He says there's not a compelling government interest in keeping them secret. Sullivan's order last night came in response to a motion filed with the court by the Washington Post. The Post argued that the public deserves to know more about Flynn's role in key events and his cooperation with Mueller. In addition to the transcripts, it's also possible that the judge may release the audio recordings of those two conversations. In his order, Sullivan directed that the government provide a DVD of those recordings to him in his chambers, along with any other calls that Flynn made to the Russians that were intercepted by U.S. intelligence. He wants to review them and decide whether it makes sense to let all of us hear them for ourselves. As Jim Comey once said, Lordy, there are tapes. And that's The Daily 202 for Friday, May 17th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. Have a wonderful weekend. I will talk to you on Monday.